the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. The number one threat to America. The number one threat to the world. The indoctrination of our kids. Freedom of speech. Freedom of press. War. Debt. The death of the Western civilization. I mean, what is the number one threat to America and the world? Come on. Say it with me. Pla- plastic plastic straws. straws. Right? Plastic, plastic straws. straws. Yes. I knew you knew it. The plastic straws. It's a it's a catastrophe. Especially the extendable bendy kind of straws. I mean, love them as a kid, sure, but then you find out how evil they are. They are the worst. Because, yes, they're fun. And they make people want to use a straw, even if one is technically not necessary. Now, I didn't get the specs on when a straw is necessary and when it isn't. But those bendy straws, they're the best. Now, we use plastic straws one at a time, and then we throw them away. We just, we just toss them out. When I was a kid, sometimes we would take more than one, and we would use more than one, but we'd still throw them away. And every single discarded straw in America ends up in the ocean. Now, I believe it's part of the Republican Party platform to ensure that all straws are dumped directly into the ocean. You know, along with plastic bags and those um, plastic six-pack ring thingies. I don't know what those are called. I I think I'm... That's technically it. Ring thingies? Ring thingies. Yeah, yeah. okay. Mm -hmm. Because Republicans hate nature, and everyone knows this. So, the plastic straws end up forming giant straw masses the size of icebergs that float around just looking for another ship like the Titanic to sink. And menacing small islands, boating enthusiasts, and even nuclear submarines. Oh, yes, don't laugh. Straw islands, they can be taken down by them. Now, don't ask me how, but trust me, it happens. These plastic straw icebergs are large enough to be seen from space. In fact, astronauts report that they have uh, made the mistake of, of spotting a floating straw iceberg and thought it was Hawaii. It wasn't straws now don't forget the aquatic life and that's really much more important than anything else we've talked about here the aquatic life that is going extinct because of plastic straws it's stromageddon it really is dolphins are being decimated by the straws clogging up their blowholes and octopuses which i always thought it was octopi but it is technically octopuses octopuses can't squirt ink now because the ink squirter is all blocked by straws it's horrific discovery channel is even talking now about canceling shark week because sharks all have tummy aches because yes they've been eating plastic straws you know because there's no more fish to eat and they're all dying from straws and everybody knows it but the evil republicans won't do a damn thing about it now since americans use 500 million plastic straws every day 500 million plastic straws every day just in this country 
I think Republicans actually use more than that themselves. But it it is clear, just looking at that number, that we're all about to die. 500 million straws per day just in America? That's a huge number. And virtually every major media outlet has cited that stat as a fact. And so we know it is until it's not. Because NPR, of all sources, did some digging. Turns out that 500 million straws that America uses every day, that number just came from a young environmentalist named Milo Kress. Now, when I say young, well, he was younger when he was, uh, you know, when it was seven years ago. That's when he first cited this stat. Um, And, you know, how old were you? How old were you seven years ago? You know, what were you doing? You know, my, Milo was in the fourth grade. So um, when he found that stat, well, he didn't actually find that stat. He couldn't find any stats on how many straws were used each day in the U.S. So he just called straw manufacturers around the country and said, hey, how many straws do you think America uses? And they said, oh, a billion. Some said a hundred million. And he decided that 500 million there in the fourth grade sounded right. So now major companies like Starbucks routinely make million dollar decisions like their decision to ban plastic straws based on research data from fourth graders, which is, you know, which is really uh, great. And and Starbucks has banned the plastic straw, which is also really good, except except don't pat yourself on the back just yet, Starbucks, because the lid that you made to replace the evil straw is twice as bad, you know, in the amount of Moby Dick tummy killers plastic. Uh, it's got twice the amount of plastic as a straw. So, box lids. America just discards directly into the eye of an octopus. It's coming soon. And believe me, the press will accept it. It's Thursday, July 26th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. I mean, isn't that just like them? So Th- typical. Tw- twice as bad as straws. They and, and everybody's patting themselves. Oh, we got rid of the straws. You made a lid that is twice as bad. It's unbelievable. Uh, it's not surprising at all. Uh, so I guess maybe it's not unbelievable. Yeah. But it is incredible. I like to. Uh, I, I've heard now. I don't know if this is true, but a second grader called me a little while ago and <gasps> said oh, no. that a lot of those lids are ending up right in the tear ducts of zebras. Really? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Let's report that as fact. Yeah. Well, we already have. It's on the radio now. Mm-hmm. And if I put it on the Internet, then you'll have second source uh, material for that. Right. So <laughs> that's right. So that'll be uh, that'll be good. Uh, now, we have a we have a lot to talk about. We have this uh, stuff that's going on with CNN and the White House. And now Brett Bear is being, uh, you know, just killed online. Oh, Brett Bear is sold out. Brett Bear has sold out. <laughs> Come on. Now, there's this 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 kick up of dust uh, with the White House. And quite honestly, the best way to explain what's happening with the First Amendment is to explain to you what's happening with the Second Amendment. And we'll get to that here in uh, in just a second. But I wanted to start with something uh, different today. I I wanted to start with something. um, I don't know, a little more a little more personal. Um, I heard something. from StoryCorps, and I don't know if you listen to that podcast at all, but uh, probably not because it's from NPR. And so it's just here. It says NPR, and you're like, no, no. 
Um, but I listen to StoryCorps because I think I think these guys are uh, I think they're really good at what they do. And and what they do is they they go and they record people having conversations, honest conversations. They put up these booths and uh, and they and people come in and they say, I just want to record uh, my thoughts about whatever's going on. And they have a gigantic library now of all of these voices, and they will someday in history be really important. And one of the things that um, they did in, I think, 2006, and they've done several of them, uh, was this story between Danny and Annie. It's this old couple. And um, they went in to record their story one day, and, and everybody fell in love with them. And so Danny kept calling and he wanted to do more story core, and so he would he would come in from time to time. And then there was uh, one last episode of uh, Danny and Annie, and it was about their love for one another. On 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 over the weekend, um, you know, I've just got I've got all these weird things. Uh, that are just I don't know, but I I could barely use my hands over the weekend, and I've had to pack my hands in ice uh, for the last few days and sleep with ice bags around my hands, and it's been really weird. And uh, and I, and you know what? I I think my wife is looking at me now, going, I, I think I made the right choice. <laughs> I think I when I, when there was the whole selection of men to marry, I think I made the right choice. And I couldn't do it without my wife. I would be totally lost without Tanya. So yesterday, I'm, I'm coming in and I'm listening to this story of StoryCorps and, um, and Danny and Annie. And at the same time I'm listening to this, I'm... I look up at the TV and there's a a picture that had gone viral of these two people and they were in their 80s and they were on a subway in New York and the old man who looked like an old man and the old woman who looked like an old woman. They're sitting next to each other on the subway and they're practically in the same seat and they're holding hands and he has his head down and his eyes closed and she is sitting right next to him, and she has pressed her forehead next to the side of his forehead. And I thought, I want to live long enough to have that experience with Tanya. I want to be old and gray, and I want her to be old and gray. And I want to be the couple that is still in love with each other. Like kids in love. With that in mind, let me share a bit of the story of Danny and Annie from StoryCorps. Being married is like having a color television set. You never want to go back to black and white. Oh, what a voice. Danny and Annie came back to StoryCorps many times. Then in 2006, he was diagnosed with cancer. He wanted to record one last interview, so StoryCorps went to their home in Brooklyn. 
the illness is not hard on me. It's just, you know, the finality of it. And him, he goes along like a trooper. She said it was her call. She wants to walk out behind the casket alone. I guess that's the way to do it, because when we were married, you know how your brother takes it down, your father takes it down? She said, well, I don't know which of my brothers to walk in with. I don't want to offend anybody. I said, I got a solution. I said, you walk in with me, you walk out with me. And the other day, I said, who's going to walk down the aisle with you behind the casket? You know, the supporter. And she said, nobody. I walked in with you alone. I walked out with you alone. Mm-hmm. I always said the only thing I have to give you is a poor gift, and it's myself. And I always gave it. And if there's a way to come back and give it, I'll do that too. You have the Valentine's Day letter there. Yeah. My dearest wife, this is a very special day. It is a day on which we share our love, which still grows after all these years. Now that love is being used by us to sustain us through these hard times. All my love, all my days, and more. Happy Valentine's Day. I could write on and on about her. She lights up the room in the morning when she tells me to put both hands on her shoulders so she can support me. She lights up my life when she says to me at night, wouldn't you like a little ice cream? Or would you please drink more water? I mean, those aren't very romantic things to say, but they stir my heart. In my mind, in my heart, there has never been, there is not now, and never will be another end. There is nothing like marriage. When you find the right person, Don't let them go. My daughter, when she was in college, she fell in love with her husband, now Tim. And um, we were driving into the city, and she was sitting in the back seat, and I was driving, and I said, um, Do you love him? She said, Dad, I love him so much. He's the one. And I said, then why aren't you, why haven't you married him? She said, because, Dad, you know, I mean, you know what society thinks, and you know, I'm young and I'm in college, and you know, you're not supposed to do that. And I didn't say anything for a while. And I said, I can't believe my daughter cares about what the rest of the world thinks. If you found the right one, there is nothing better than marriage. My father told me once, He said, son, make a list. Make a list of everything that you're looking for in a spouse. Write it down. Put it in front of you. 
the mind is like a beacon and you will attract those things that you are looking for, whether you know you're looking for them or not. So be very careful of your thoughts. I was about to ask Tanya to marry me. And she said no the first time. But I found that list. It was about three years old. And I found that list. And if I had any doubts, which I didn't. She was everything that I had written down. If you are... If you have forgotten what it was like when you first fell in love with the person that is by your side and you are rolling over in bed at night and you kind of kiss each other off to the side and you turn off your light. Spend some time today just trying to remember what it was that first captivated you. Because there is nothing like last night when my wife came to bed. Our backs were to each other. And she just reached over and grabbed my hand. And we fell back to sleep holding hands. There is nothing more important than that. I want to tell you about Simply Safe. Uh, Simply Safe will keep that family of yours safe. They obsess over the details. They want to make sure that it is exactly right. They're they're glass break sensors. They've 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 built a, um, a, a, a you know a, a test facility just for this. They did over ten thousand live glass break simulations. I would have loved to do that. Throw a plate ten thousand times, uh, but that re- helped them refine the technology until it was so accurate it could distinguish between a broken plate and a broken plate glass in your door. That's the level of detail of security and peace of mind that you're going to find with Simply Safe. The um, the system is the best bar. None is winning all kinds of awards, but it also um, has no strings attached. There are no wires and there are no contracts. And a great price. And for the monitoring, it's only fifteen dollars a month. And right now, you can save ten percent. Protect your home by visiting simplysafebeck.com. Get 10% off your new Simply Safe home security system right now at simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. I'm so glad you've joined us today. Thank you so much. <laughs> I've got this thing that I've, I've, I've wanted to talk to you about on Elon Musk for, uh, I don't know, almost a whole week now. Uh, we've got to get to that uh, today. I also want to talk to you about Iran and Russia, but we have to talk about the CNN uh, s- scandal with uh, the Trump administration and the First Amendment. 
also power in California versus Texas. Huh. Why is it cheaper here in Texas than it is in California? Lessons to be learned. Coming up. This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right. So a press release came out yesterday from CNN. Uh, CNN White House correspondent Caitlin Collins was denied access to cover an open press event at the White House. After posing questions to President Trump earlier in the day as the network pool reporter, Collins was told by White House Press Deputy uh, Chief of Staff for Communications Bill Shine uh, and the Press Secretary Sarah, uh, Sarah Sanders that her questions were inappropriate. They were not. Just because the White House was uncomfortable with a question regarding the news of the day doesn't mean the question isn't relevant and shouldn't be asked. That decision to bar the member of press is retaliatory in nature and not indicative indicative of an open and free press. We demand better. Okay. So what was this all about? Well, here is the raw tape. Um, The president uh, is meeting with the head of the EU and they're in the Oval Office. And the, you know, the press is allowed to come in and 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 view it and take some notes. And if the president wants to allow people to take questions, he can allow them to take questions. If he doesn't want to take questions, he doesn't. It's his office. He does it a lot, by the way. He takes questions a lot in these right. scenarios, more than I think any other president. Yeah. He doesn't do a lot of formal press conferences, but like he'll just let people come in and they just start peppering him with questions quite right. often. Now, if you watch the tape... This we have to remember. This is the president's office, um, and you know what it's like if you've if you've ever done anything. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know how to relate this. Um, if you've ever done anything, hmm, you're a manager, and you have to uh, let somebody go. You you bring them into your office. But you want to have a way so everybody gets up at the end and walks out. You don't want to be trapped someplace. You know what I mean? You have to have the plan of how do we get out? The president is trapped in his office now. That's why he will walk to the Rose Garden to do this so he can walk away. Okay, That's important because if you're staying in that room, it requires somebody to say, okay, everybody, let's go. Let's go. And if they don't want to go, then you have ugliness. The president is doing what? Sitting there the whole time? So here is the, the actual raw tape of uh, this correspondent, Caitlin Collins, from CNN. Ask, ask yourself if you think she's out of line by asking these questions as the press conference is, is breaking up and, and they are being escorted out. Okay, so stop. Thank you very much. So that's it. That's it. She's asking in a normal voice. There are people in the room screaming at the president. Yeah, she's okay. one of many people. It's right. almost like, did they get the wrong person? Right, I know. Uh, she, so she's and she's asking, did Michael Cohen betray you by releasing these tapes? Are you concerned about anything else that might be on those tapes? Okay, those are legitimate questions. president may not want to answer them, 
But those are legitimate questions. And she's not screaming or being inappropriate, and she's not the only one. Now, nobody is leaving the room. That's a real problem. People are like, okay, come on, move on, move on. So on the first, on the first point, uh, with the, you know, did she do anything inappropriate? No, all of them did. Leave. It's over. Leave. But they always ask questions Correct. like that, and many times he responds. Correct, correct, correct. But none of them were even moving. Yeah, there didn't seem to be, I mean, cause we could, we're watching the video here, yeah. and there doesn't seem to be a lot of movement from the yeah, press corps. Right. Though you can't actually see the door, so I don't know, maybe the first people were starting to strike, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it seems I mean, to be on the other side of the room. Yeah, it is. Uh, so it's, it's like a giant horseshoe. Yeah. So they have to go all the way around the room, so it might have taken some time. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't bad that they did. I mean, that's what happens. Normal. That's what happens. It's normal. normal. Get out. Let's go. Come on. Get out. It's normal. Now, were her questions inappropriate? No. That's news of the day. She's asking normal questions that we would have asked if it was Barack Obama. That's normal. So is I'm she, actually interested in the answers to those two too. because it, it it will indicate kind of where the story goes. Correct, right? Like, is Trump going to try to say, oh, "No, no, he's a good guy," and I, who knows what kind of pressure he's feeling, which would indicate a, a much more uh, a bigger possibility of the you know the rift being healed, healed, or is it like, look, I you know he's he's he, you know I don't know what kind of crazy attorney you know tapes his client. Is he still in that mode? Right. If he's still in that mode, the rift is is still quite wide. Correct. And quite honestly, I think the other person that wants that answer more than the American people is Cohen. He wants to know from the president what where what am I what what Donald Trump am I dealing with here? My friend and my protector or my enemy? Mm-hmm. Which one? Um, okay. So not appropriate. Okay. Not n- inappropriate. No, not inappropriate. Mm-hmm. So next, well, she's with CNN. She's just a liberal hack. Well, no, she's not. Yeah, Caitlin Collins came to CNN from the Daily Caller. So, I mean, I, that doesn't mean that she's an ideological conservative, but certainly she's not. You're a, not. You're not a, a nut job liberal if you're taking a job at the Daily Caller. No, it's it's a it's a very I, people are trying to make this out because she currently works at CNN that she's this like ideological liberal just out for the president. But I mean, uh, you know, she's she's a, a well respected reporter, but came from a conservative outlet. Okay, so now have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed that uh, when the press has any violation at all of the First Amendment, freedom of press, that they freak out? And it's, it's like this. They're all against terrorism until one of theirs is kidnapped by a terrorist. And then it's the biggest story of all time. Right? Yeah, when it affects your world, you're going to be more fired up about Correct. it. Correct. Mm-hmm. Say that again, Stu. When it affects your world, you're going to be a lot more fired up about it. So that's normal. Pretty normal, yeah. Can you think of another amendment that maybe the press doesn't understand mm-hmm. when it is violated in the least? Hmm. Let me think. Uh, the Second Amendment? Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. Second Amendment. And what happens when... The Second Amendment is violated. Well, even like bump stocks. Do you care really about bump stocks? I am never going to own a bump stock. Nope. nope. Me neither. So don't really care. However. 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 Don't. No, wait a minute. Hang on just a second. I don't think you can take bump stocks. Shall not, not be, be infringed. infringed. 
Okay, so I don't really care about them. I'm never going to own them. I don't know who would own them. And they really don't do anything that you can't do yourself with a belt loop. Yeah. I mean, and so watch go on YouTube. You can find yeah, right. dozens I mean, of people doing the exact same thing a bump stock does with their belt. Loop. Yeah, I mean, so it's just ridiculous. So why does the right get all freaked out when you come after something like bump stock? Because when you they when you give them an inch, they look for a mile. Hmm. They look to take a mile, and it's the same way the press is feeling today when there's an inch taken. Yes, one reporter not allowed at one press. What's the big deal? It's not a big deal. But they're looking at the long term there, and they're worried their rights are going to be taken away. Huh. Huh. They're, uh, huh. The, the, the right associated to a constitutionally guaranteed uh, amendment uh, that says you there shall not be any infringement on your in this case, free speech, in our case, uh, Second Amendment. And that's why what's so frustrating when the press co- uh, covers the Second Amendment. Right. They say, well, what do you need? Bu- this is common sense legislation. What do you need bump stocks for? You don't need, you don't need bump stocks. You don't need a high capacity magazines. What do you need those for? Well, you know, we could say the same thing. There's, other, there's dozens of other reporters. What do you need your reporter there for? What do you need your reporter there? It's, there's tons of cameras there. What do you need your camera there for? And it's for? no big deal. It's just one reporter and the president is upset and blah, 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 blah. We yeah. make all kinds of excuses, but we don't. We don't. And anybody who is mad at Brett Baer today from Fox when he came out and said, we stand firmly with CNN. Don't be mad at Brett Baer. If you want to be mad at anybody, be mad at the Constitution and be mad at James Madison and Thomas Jefferson and all the great thinkers that gave us these rights. We are to protect these rights. And when anybody starts to violate those rights in the least amount, we must stand up for those that even those maybe more importantly, those we do not agree with. Last night, I tweeted, I stand fully behind a free and unfettered press. I fully support the First Amendment right of the press. As much as it kills me to say this, I stand, even though I disagree with the way CNN has handled the president and treats the president, they have this right And no government official should be able to ban somebody from an open press event. No one. No one. Period. However, CNN, we will follow the Constitution. And you have a problem right now with the First Amendment violation because you say the president is making you into the enemy of the country. Hmm. So when I stand firmly for the First Amendment and your right to be an idiot, in my opinion, not in this particular case, but in others, I don't, you, don't, you don't even say thank you. You don't even recognize it, okay? You don't even recognize it. Half of the country will stand up. They, they despise you, and they will stand up and say, I stand with them today. You don't even notice that. And then every time we stand up for a right that is just as airtight and guaranteed as yours, you look at us and say, 
We're dangerous. We're crazy. We're the enemy of the people. I don't understand. You say that you are so offended because the president is calling a free press, in your mind, the free press, an enemy. An enemy of the people, an enemy of the West. You have a problem with that. And yet when we stand up for our Second Amendment right, you say that about us. That we are the enemy of freedom. We are the enemy of security. We are the enemy of common sense and common decency. Now, I don't try to shut you down from saying that. You have a right to say that. But I I would like to say, CNN, I stand firmly by your right. I, I, I will go as far as as uh, George Hay did uh, when he was uh, writing uh, uh, the defense of freedom of press after the Sedition Act. He, he even if your intent is to lie, the government has no place, no place to say, well, that one's a lie and that one's not no place, no place, because sometimes it is a matter of opinion. And the government should not be regulating that at all. So I'll stand for your full right, even though you don't stand for mine. But I would like to ask CNN, would you take a minute and think about that right? And what responsibilities you hold to at least listen and recognize that we, too, are not your enemy. We, too, are not the enemy of freedom and the people. The American people, you said yesterday, CNN, that you demand better. Well, the American people have demanded better from you for a very long time. I stand with your right. Even though I don't want to, as an American, I have to. So I stand with you shoulder to shoulder to defend you today. I would just like to ask once in a while, surprise us, surprise us, use that right and try to serve all Americans. All right. Welcome to the program. I want to tell you about blinds.com. It's it's some people have a hard time picturing how to update their home with new blinds or window coverings. And so you usually don't you don't you don't make simple improvements that could have a dramatic effect on your house. blinds.com has a really cool section on their uh, site, the uh, before and after pictures to get your imagination going just a little bit. Because the blinds uh, at blinds.com, the easiest way to reimagine your home is maybe sometimes for some people to have somebody help you do it. Blinds.com, they have new custom blinds from blinds.com. It'll make you feel like you've changed everything in your house without a big expense. And they'll guide you through the entire measure and install process. You'll get free samples. Uh, you'll get free shipping. Plus, you'll get free online design consultation if you're somebody who's like, I, I don't know what to do. 
Blinds.com, the number one online retailer of custom window coverings for so many reasons. And now, through July 30th, you can save up to 30%, plus take an additional 5% off site-wide when you use the promo code BECK. That's up to 30%, plus an additional 5% site-wide at Blinds.com, promo code BECK. Blinds.com, promo code BECK. Rules and restrictions do apply. Okay, let's go to James. Hello, James. You're on the Glenbeck program. James, are you there? Yes, sir. How yeah. are you? Good. Go ahead. You want to make a comment on uh, CNN and, and Caitlin Collins? Yeah. You know, I mean, I just think there's a time for everything. I understand First Amendment. I agree with you 100% on that. She's talking, asking questions at a normal voice. She's not yelling like the other people in the room. But if you notice, she's the only one asking about something other than the tariffs and this meeting that they just had. (laughs) I mean, James, I understand that. But since when does that happen? That that is the way everyone deals with the uh, president, no matter who the president is. You have a chance to ask a question, you ask, you ask it. I mean, they're not shouting helicopter questions as he's walking to the helicopter. Glenn Beck. Mercury. Glenn Beck. When the Germans invaded the Soviet Union and the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, the Axis powers learned a pretty big lesson. It should have been obvious, but it wasn't. If you're going to go to war, it might not be a good idea to start another one with the entire world. Three against the rest of the planet should have been easy numbers for the uh, Axis statisticians to break down. Not good. Now think about those odds and how ludicrous it sounds to win a fight like that. Now think about how many countries we are currently threatening with a trade war. China. All the countries within the EU, Mexico, Canada, the list goes on and on and on. You're not going to win a war that you are fighting on all fronts. The U.S. economy is not invincible. Something has to give. And we might might be beginning to see the the end of this trade war yesterday. Uh, uh, President Trump and the joint head of the uh, EU made a statement yesterday from the White House announcing a pause in the escalating trade war with the Europeans. Now, this has been going on ever since the Trump administration hit the EU with these steel and aluminum tariffs. Europe then retaliated by imposing over $3 billion in tariffs on U.S. goods. The president then, in turn, threatened an uh, an imminent response targeting European cars. Okay, it's got to stop. And yesterday, it kind of did. We're not entirely sure how long this ceasefire is going to take place, and we're definitely not out of the woods yet. But we do know that President Trump agreed not to follow through with the European car tariffs and to, quote, reassess the steel and aluminum tariffs while negotiations are taking place. In return, Europe will boost purchases of U.S. soybeans and import more of our natural gas. So if I have this straight, and I think I do, All we have to do is not do something we hadn't done yet, the car tariff, and just reassess something we've already done. And in return, Europe will start buying more of our stuff. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty good with that. It sounds like a win. Let's go. Tariffageddon 
still looms. This is a temporary agreement that still has a long way to go. And the president tweeted that the eventual goal is the elimination of all tariffs. That would be great. If that's the case, that would be great. But there is a long way to go. The president is not wrong about EU having greater tariffs on U.S. goods. That's a fact. How many U.S. built cars do you see in Paris? Eh, Probably not very many. The EU tax a a 10% tariff on all of our cars. But that's low, considering how European tariffs uh, are, are slapped on, you know, the U.S. agriculture imports. 17% on apples, 20% on grapes. So, yeah, there is a long way to go. But let's just hope we're moving forward. Because if it breaks down, as it does with China and Mexico and Canada and the 11th billion other countries we are threatening trade war with, we will lose. It's Thursday, July 26th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Dan Abrams. He is a professor. He's a lawyer. And he's an author of the latest book, Lincoln's Last Trial, the murder case that propelled him to the presidency. He's a co-author with with, uh, David Fisher, who is just a great man. Um, And welcome to the program, Dan. How are you? Good, Glenn. Good to be with you. So uh, I'm, I'm reading this. I'm fascinated by history, and in particular, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, the Lincoln Museum right now um, is uh, about a year away from losing some of the most remarkable uh, things uh, that were personally owned and used by Abraham Lincoln. His hat and his bloodstained gloves from that night. Um, you know, Mary's fan from uh, that she was fanning herself that has blood splatters all over <clears throat> They've never been in public before, and uh, they were just purchased at auction. And now uh, the Lincoln Museum has to meet a note, and they're about $9 million away from making that. And they have only got a year, so I'm really kind of fascinated by him right now for, for many reasons. Um, but this is a new discovery of the last case that Abraham Lincoln uh, tried, and it was a murder trial, right? Right before he went into the office. That's right. So we're talking about uh, September of 1859. He gets the Republican nomination in June of 1860. And this is the only case that Lincoln ever argued that was transcribed. Um, literally every word of the witnesses questioning, um, of the lawyers' questions, etc., transcribed in a, a new thing called transcription. Uh, wow. Because we never had trials, that before? Yeah. No, most trials and most things weren't transcribed. I mean, the, 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 what made Lincoln think of this for this case was that the person who transcribed this, and he's the, the person that we, we look at this story through the eyes of the transcriber, Robert Hitt, um, he was the guy who transcribed the Lincoln-Douglas debates for Lincoln mm-hmm. to the point where there was one of the debates, I think it was the second one, where Hitt wasn't in his seat in the front and Lincoln would not start the debate until Robert Hitt was sitting there ready to transcribe for Lincoln the debates. And so he recommended to the family of the defendant in this high-profile murder case that in the event your, your son your child is convicted, um, you'll want a record 
of what was said in court. And so they hired Robert Hitt, who also was able to distribute his transcriptions to the media at the time of what was happening. This was a high-profile case, and not really because Lincoln was arguing it. It was a high-profile case because it was a a long-standing feud between two neighbors, both of whom were you know known as as good young men with with promising futures and they have this ongoing fight and a and a and a fight ensues and one stabs the other then claiming self-defense and there's a a celebrity witness in the case in the form of a, of a preacher who was much better known than lincoln was at the time one of the most famous people in america at and, the time and, peter, peter cartwright and he was not a fan of lincoln correct he had had a, a long-standing, um, he was a long-standing political rival of Lincoln's. Um, he'd actually beaten Lincoln in an, in an election in the 1830s. Um, this is not, and someone who really had, had harsh words to say about Lincoln over time. He called time. him an infidel. Exactly. Right. So, so, so Peter Cartwright was no friend of Lincoln's, and he was the, the key to the case for the defense. And the reason was because he had went, he had gone and counseled the victim before he died. He had gone, he had sat on his, and, and, and people didn't know if he was going to survive or not. But in the context of that, the victim allegedly said, I brought this upon myself. Um, and, um, and I forgive Peachy, the defendant. Um, and those are incredibly powerful words when you're talking about a self-defense case. Mm-hmm. And so he became a critical witness. And there was one point where there was an argument over whether this should be permitted into evidence. Is it hearsay? Is there an exception to the hearsay rule here, et cetera? And Lincoln initially lost the argument. And we describe in the book how furious he became. From, and we have quotes from people who were in court when this happened, saying they'd never seen him ever like this, as furious as they'd ever seen him. Um, and it's another side to Lincoln. That, that we don't see and we don't hear about is not just Lincoln, the advocate, but Lincoln, you know, becoming enraged um, at losing what he thought was a, a critical and he believed he had the right to introduce this evidence. Can you can case. you describe his uh, Lincoln rage? <clears throat> so the you know, the fury that they describe is, um, you know, it, it's over initially losing this 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 legal ruling and saying to the effect that they felt like he was about to climb onto the bench of the <laughs> mm. of the court. Um, and, um, you know, really just to the point where, um, you know, and all I can uh, all we can do is use the the contemporaneous uh, responses from right. the people who were there. But. Both the court crier and his law partner both described later um, just the the depth of his fury and um, how they had never seen him anything uh, like like that. Before. Now, he he had done like 25 murder cases and thousands of other cases. Um, but this Correct. is this is the last one. Um, the murder case that he tried before, I think the guy was hung. He lost. And the one before that, he had won. Right. Well, so, you know, his most famous case was called the Almanac Trial, right? I mean, this was the case where, this was in 1857, so this was two years before this case, where Lincoln, uh, a guy had been convicted uh, for killing another guy with effectively a rock, 
And there were two people involved. And the key eyewitness said he saw it clear as day because it was a full moon. Um, and he said, he said he was about 150 feet away. And he described everything that happened with these two guys. They were tried separately. The one guy got convicted. And the second guy was on trial. And he hired Lincoln. And everyone presumed he would be convicted as well. And when this guy gets up on the stand, he starts telling his whole story about the moon. And he remembers seeing exactly what he saw, the two of these guys hitting this guy. And um, Lincoln pulls out an almanac from that day, turns to that page, says, read to me what the, the moon was that day. It's only a quarter moon, not a full moon. Guy couldn't have possibly seen what he says he saw with no lights mm. out there. Um, and he was acquitted. Um, and it really, that case really put Lincoln on the map. When so, I say on the map, he was, he was already well known, but this one elevated him. So was he concerned at all about what this might mean to a presidential bid if he lost? Well, you would think he should have been, right? I mean, obviously, any candidate today wouldn't take yeah. a, a high-profile, controversial murder case Correct. before. Uh, but, but I think, you know, back then, look, A, he wasn't, he wasn't a serious candidate. When I yeah. say serious candidate, he wasn't a favorite in September of 1859. Did he have his eye on it? Sure. But he had just lost the Senate election in Illinois. Um, he was still well-regarded by the party. Um, this was only, as you know, the second time the Republicans were having a, um, a convention in 1860. Um, so, you know, he, I don't think he thought seriously that yeah. he had to think about the presidency. And his job was being an attorney. Now, keep in mind, he also had a relationship with the family of the defendant. He had known them for a long time. He was also asked to do it by his uh, former law partner he always had enormous respect for stephen logan and so and i think he believed in the case yeah, well, the that mattered to lincoln the defendant but he also had a relationship with the what was it the the victim the, the, victim, the, the mother victim. of the victim yes. right no not just the victim himself greek crafton <laughs> greek <laughs> wow. crafton had, had had interned in his office so the victim had actually interned in lincoln's office um, wow. So there was a lot of personal connection. Look, and, and trials back then were just, you know, were different, meaning we're in Springfield, Illinois. The only people who can serve on a jury are white men of a certain age who own land. And so you've got a limited pool of jurors. You've got a limited, yeah. everyone kind of knows everybody. Um, and, and I think that's part of the reason that the community was so invested in, in this case. But I also think much like today when, you know, there's a, a good story, right? That leads to a trial becoming more well-watched. And I think that that's why this became a national case. So how come, it, sure, yeah. how come these transcripts were, were not known for so long? They were in a chewed-up box with a yellow bow around it, found in the garage of the great-grandson of the defendant after he died. And it was just discovered there in 1989. And my co-author, who brought me this project, he came to me and he said, you know, there's a transcript out there. It just came, just discovered in 1989. The only transcript that exists of a Lincoln trial. And um, it's a really compelling murder case. And no one's really written about it. I said, come on. <laughs> so it's Lincoln. What do you mean? What do you mean no one's really written about the last major trial that Lincoln did? It's the only transcript that exists. I said, come on, David. We looked at, you know, I investigated, we looked, investigated this together. He was absolutely right. Yeah. There was one New York Times article from 1989 of the discovery. And then the American Bar Association did a sort of legal review of it a few years later and essentially became a footnote to history. And yet 
our position is that this case was very important to him because, you know, his his stock wasn't as high, meaning Lincoln Douglas, he was very high, 1858. We're now 1859. He's not really considered a serious candidate for president. Um, he's trying to figure out, you know, his next step. And this was a high profile case being widely covered. And so Lincoln had everything to lose by taking it. And, and I think in the end helped him quite a bit. A number of the people who worked on this case ended up working on his 1860 campaign, for example. Um, so what's this the, was a we. Yeah. What's the one thing, uh, Dan? And we've got about uh, 60 seconds. What's the one thing about Lincoln that you learned? I know you've been fascinated uh, by him, and you know, have, have consumed his life uh, throughout yours. What did you learn new? I think for me, it was this is a book about Lincoln, the lawyer. This is a book about this case. We don't try and be the biographers of Lincoln. So what I learned was that Lincoln really was a smart attorney. And what I mean by smart is he knew how to relate to people. He knew when to stop, not just how to ask questions, but he knew how not to bore the jury. He knew how not to get bogged down in details and that he would be able to close those things up later. And I think that for me, learning all of this about Lincoln, the lawyer, and then seeing it, how he mastered it in this case was probably the thing I, I learned most about him. Dan, thank you very much. The, uh, the name of the book is Lincoln's Last Trial, the murder case that propelled him to the presidency. It's written by Dan Abrams, and his co-author is David Fisher, who has written like 20 New York Times uh, number one bestsellers. He is a fantastic writer and researcher, and I'll tell you, uh, there is nothing like reading a David Fisher book when it comes to uh, digging up the facts on history. Dan Abrams, David Fisher, Lincoln's Last Trial, available everywhere now. All right, our sponsor this half hour is LifeLock. Um, You know, asking your smartphone, you know, what's the weather like? That's one thing. Asking it to send money to a friend, that's another. And that is soon coming. We're going to be able to send money by telling our smartphone, uh, you know, just can you just, will you just pay this bill? Now, there's some security concerns with that. Cyber criminals have been able to hack into a lot of the devices that could access this kind of transaction remotely. There are so many threats in our connected world. It takes one weak link for criminals to get in. That's why there's a new LifeLock identity theft protection, and it is added to the power of Norton security, and it's going to help you against the threats to your identity and to your devices that you can't easily see or fix on your own. And if you have a problem, they have the agents to fix it. Now, nobody can stop all cyber threats or prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but... The new LifeLock with Norton Security is able to uncover the threats that most people otherwise miss. So go to LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK and use the promo code BECK. Get an extra 10% off your first year. It's LifeLock.com, promo code BECK, or 1-800-LIFELOCK. 1-800-LIFELOCK, LifeLock.com, promo code BECK. (laughs) Dan Abrams, uh... He's a great storyteller, isn't he? Uh, and by the way, the story of Lincoln, um, we're doing something with the Lincoln Museum down here at the uh, Mercury Studios in February. Uh, we're going to do Black History Month, uh, and we'll be telling you more about that uh, coming up. But the Lincoln Museum is just is is remarkable. Uh, and his story has to be told. And so many people 
uh, are starting to lose touch with our past and our heritage and Abraham Lincoln. You lose Abraham Lincoln. It's like losing Washington. We've already lost Washington. You lose Lincoln, you lose it all. Uh, and um, and we're, we're trying to help them raise money. They have a $9 million bill that they have to pay. Otherwise, this huge collection of really important stuff that has never been seen in public since his death. His hat and his bloodstained gloves, all the stuff that he had with him, including a lot of the letters and everything else, those were all in private hands. And if it goes for auction, it's going to go back to private hands. It just will. And it's important that the Lincoln Museum has these so you can see them. Uh, and so we're trying to help them raise the, the money. And we would love to ask you, if, you would, if, you're, a, if you're a history fan, five for Lincoln. Could you, could you just do $5 a month for Abraham Lincoln? And it will help preserve his legacy at the Lincoln Museum. So five for Lincoln, it just go to fiveforlincoln.com. You can spell it any way you want. Five, the number five, number four, Lincoln, uh, or just five, F-O-R, Lincoln, whatever. Fiveforlincoln.com. Go there now and pledge $5 a month to help them out. All right. In defense of Elon Musk. I cannot believe what we as a society are doing about or to Elon Musk. He's not a perfect guy. He's not a guy I always agree with. He's not a guy who's always successful. But the guy is a genius. Now, listen to what the New York Post just wrote about Elon Musk. So far, Elon Musk has only been successful at tricking people into thinking he's a success. One disastrous tweet has finally revealed Elon Musk for what he is, a fraud. Enraged that a British cave diver called his, uh, his idea to rescue the Thai soccer team for what it was, a PR stunt, with absolutely no chance of working, Musk took to Twitter and called him a pedo. That was a stupid idea. Just like that, Marcus, uh, Tesla's market value plummeted by $2 billion. Musk has been in business since 2002. His stated goal is nothing short of transforming humanity through his products, his electric car, space travel, and an underground high-speed hyperloop system. Yet, he has yet to succeed at anything but somehow spins every failure into proof of imminent success. His only accomplishment has been this decade-long Jedi mind trick. Tesla, best known for blowing deadlines and constantly falling short on production, uh, the company has burned through $500,000 per hour. It's an epic talent drain. That's to say nothing of the human toll that Tesla has caused. In March, a Tesla driver was killed while test driving an autopiloted Model X. Then in May, they announced an investigation after two uh, teenagers were killed in a Tesla Model S after a battery caught fire. A similar accident claimed the life of a driver two months prior. California's Division of Occupational... Okay, so did we get that? That's, That's four people that have died in a Tesla. Four. With a car that drives itself. Four. Anyway. Um, California's Division of Occupational Safety and Health opened its third investigation into workplace safety at Tesla in July after an employee complained. Two investigations have been ongoing since April, yet Musk took to Twitter to boast that Tesla was now building cars in a tent. Not sure we even need a building, he tweeted. This is a genius, says the New York Post. 
Tesla was founded in 2003. World's largest automakers quickly surpassed Musk's vision for electric vehicles. Oh, you mean like the Volt that was catching on fire all the time? Tesla will never catch up. Shareholders are finally catching on. Musk isn't sorry, and nothing is ever his fault. So should the, gov- uh, so should the government, which reportedly um, gifts Musk's companies with an estimated $4.9 billion in subsidies. SpaceX, which Musk touts as replacing NASA and colonizing Mars, has been a literal favor- a failure to launch. Okay, okay, okay. I did. I, 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 let me just go through this here. Elon Musk, failure to succeed at anything. Really? Stu, name one of the hottest cars on the road. I would assume you're saying Tesla. Okay, mm-hmm. I think so. Name the fastest car in the world. Uh, I mean, it's certainly at the price point, Tesla. Name the car every single person that you know wants or drools over when you see them. Especially if they've ever driven one. Yes. The, the Tesla, they will drool over that car. Yes. Right. Name the only car that right now basically drives itself. Right. Tesla's the most advanced probably in that, yeah. right? So who made that possible? Uh, the, probably the author of that article that you were just reading. <laughs> no, right? no, strangely, Elon no. Musk, oh. who didn't succeed at anything. Hey, Maureen, let me let me ask you this. Ever heard of PayPal? Ever, ever used it? How about eBay? Ever bought anything on eBay? Well, if you have, you can thank Elon, you know, the guy who has never succeeded at anything. Name any other person, any other company, any other government, any other country that has ever put a payload into orbit and then landed three rockets so perfectly it looked like CGI footage. Can you do that? On water, on water, the land, it was moving. That's a failure. That's a fraud. If it weren't for Elon Musk, this country would barely have a space program. And there'd be a lot of hungry astronauts. She continues. So the government giving gifts to the companies, $4.9 billion in subsidies. Yeah, that's the one thing I don't like about him. He takes the subsidies, but he has also said, why would I not take them and let my competitors take them? It would put me at a disadvantage. So it sounds like he's being responsible to his shareholders. Yeah, I mean, there's a huge problem with this as a, no, as a I, country. But yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, look, if you're him, every business that has including yep. oil and gas companies and all sorts yep. of things. And they, here's and here's the thing. I'm against the subsidies. But the press, people like you, beat the hell out of everybody in this country to make sure that we had those subsidies. You would think that maybe this uh, this writer would would be appreciative on making the making the very green lifestyle that idiotic progressives are incapable of creating themselves as being created by Elon Musk. SpaceX. Musk touts is replacing NASA. Colonizing Mars. Failure to launch. Really? Who has a sports car circling Mars choreographed perfectly with a David Bowie soundtrack? Is it you, Maureen? Do you have that? or No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Who goes to space on a regular, reusable basis? Not NASA. Well, he made a blooper reel. Why would he do that? Because he has a sense of humor. Because he's one of the only people that actually has a sense of humor. He doesn't hide the difficulty of the challenges that he's trying to tackle. 
As for the Hyperloop, most experts say it's impossible and unnecessary. It gives me pause to think that otherwise intelligent people are buying into this kind of utopian vision. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They're up against the airlines, and airlines don't need to install hundreds of miles of track. Okay. Um, you know what we, we should probably do? Lose. we should probably come back to this one in 20 years. I don't know if this will work. But I think I remember reading stuff from these experts that said, oh, air travel, that will never, that's not. Going to the moon, that's crazy. Going to space, that's crazy. (laughs) People only need one television, and even that, I don't know if that's even possible. Really? Really? That one's really silly to criticize. I mean, because I tend to agree with the, I don't think that's a real solution to our problems. But, like, wouldn't their history has not been written on that one yet? Yeah, yeah. And can I ask you, Stu, um, which one burns up, you know, millions of gallons of jet fuel and which one's clean? Right. Now, do you think I the mean, left would love these? You, ideas? you would think. You and would of course, think. obviously, that's one of his motivations. Right, right. Um, so she harps on about how, you know, the, the Thai rescue, blah, blah, blah. He first of all, he apologized for his disgusting accusations against the hero diver. He did. He did. Um, The diver said, you know, this is just a PR stunt. Imagine. Imagine just for a second that Elon Musk was actually trying to do the right thing. And he actually I mean, we have the we have the email exchanges from the Thai government that the sub was built to specifications from the dive team leader. Well, wait a minute. Who was the dive team leader there? Who was it? Now, I'm sorry that it didn't work. I'm sorry he wasn't able to invent a submarine capable of fitting through a cupboard door in time to be used. But the Thai military is keeping it and said it will be used for rescues in the future. He sent 10 engineers from SpaceX, Tesla, and the Boring Company to help. Maureen, what did you do? What did you do? All right. The, the real reason why I want to bring this up is because I think we have we, we are looking at a guy. We're, we're living at a time right now where we have Edison and Tesla and and Armstrong and some of the greatest inventors of all time. And they're doing miraculous things. And we don't seem to even notice These people are changing the world and they're going to fail over and over and over again because there's no model for this because it's brand new. Here's a real point. Why suddenly is Elon Musk being attacked? He's been the hero for so long. Right. Right. He's been praised almost universally for years and years. Yeah. Yeah. Especially by the media and the left. Yes. Yes. And it's funny because they seem to have found out that in this current cycle, he gave seven times more money to the right than he did to the left. Now, normally he gives equally to the left and the right. But in this current election cycle he has given more money to the gop than to the dnc by seven i wonder 
I wonder if that's not what drives Maureen and others crazy. I'm just wondering if, if maybe, perhaps, how dare you step out of line, Elon Musk? How dare you support these monsters? In today's world, I don't know which is true. I mean, people could be so short-sighted and so blind that they don't see that somebody like Elon Musk is once in a generation. And so they'll just they'll just torch him because they are small-minded. And they don't know how real science and 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 they don't know how how real innovations are actually done. You're going to fail over and over. You're going to fail much more than you succeed. But it is the one who keeps picking himself up and and brushes the dirt off of his face and the sweat off of his brow that says, okay, let's go again. It's those people that made America great. Those people. And I know Elon Musk isn't originally from American uh, America, but he sure has the American spirit. He he is the embodiment of what made us great in many ways. He's not without his flaws. But I'm not sure which it is. It's either just myoptic little people. Or it's worse. It's people that will destroy anybody who has a different political opinion than theirs. Which do you think he's doing? I don't know. I'm, I'm conflicted. It's very tight. I, you have to admire the ability, though, to go through all these supposed failures. And he's had some failures and many question marks. Right? We don't yeah. know what, how these things are going to turn out. But, like, how did he do all those things? Like, how does he have the money to start all these businesses? Shouldn't you point out that he obviously did succeed and make billions of dollars to give him the opportunity to fail at whatever you think he's failing at? He succeeded. eBay, PayPal, those were things that were were not easy slam dunks. (laughs) Those were crazy. He graduated from that kind of crazy to, hey, let's go to Mars. And he's, he's obviously had a lot of amazing technological success there. And but think about how difficult PayPal was at that time. You right. remember that era? Yes. People yes. didn't want to put... They didn't want to use their ATM card to to, yes. to deposit money. Yes. They didn't want to put, put their credit card into a computer because they were worried it would get stolen. And you tell me, you tell me of any man besides Ben Franklin, who has been in his position with inventions, who has said, I'm going to make all of... Uh, uh, I'm going to make all of my research, all of my plans on batteries. It's all open to the public. I hope somebody will take it and build off of this because it's important for humanity. Only Ben Franklin that I know of has done that. Oh, and Elon Musk. All right. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, preparing yourself. Um, You know, when there's when there is a a problem, a a hurricane, a fire in California, mudslide, an earthquake. You hear about all the earthquakes in California? Jeez, man, California. I mean, what are you? Run. Get out. Mm -hmm. Get out. 
Anyway, um, they're now they're now worried that this the big one is coming. I don't know. Anyway, how much food do you have? How much food can you grab and go? You know, you think about these people who are like in Houston that, you know, they, they had to leave their house and they had to go stay in some hotel. Well, you also had to feed your family. I mean, think about how fast that would put you in the poorhouse. Staying in a hotel, feeding your family, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, uh, and let alone just trying to go and fix your house and get your house back in order. You need a plan to be able to take care of your family if crisis strikes. My Patriot Supply understands this, and they are this month helping you prepare. Uh, My Patriot Supply is offering a never-before-seen pricing on their popular three-month emergency food kit. This week only. Get your food kit for your family and save $250 at the special web price only now at preparewithglenn.com. It's three months, breakfast, lunch, dinner, all packed in a slimline tote, something that is easy to pull out and put into the back of your car if your family has to grab and go. The food lasts up to 25 years in storage. It's $250 in special savings this week only at 800-200-7163. That's 1-800-200-7163. Or you can find it online at preparewithglenn.com. That's preparewithglenn.com. Glenn, back. When is the Falcon Heavy launching? Uh, Do you know? November? Uh, if you've never taken your kids to a uh, missile launch, uh, you should <laughs> you should take them. A rocket, like yeah, a rocket, rocket launch. not a missile launch. Hey, hey everybody, North Korea, everybody! <laughs> uh, you you got to go to a rocket launch. They are they are amazing. I saw the second to the last space shuttle launch with my kids, and it's it's a wonder of the world. It's a wonder of the world. And while you can't watch that, you can see now in November. You can see. Uh, the Falcon Heavy launch. That's the SpaceX uh, uh, rocket launching. Don't miss it if you're anywhere around. Take Glenn, your family. Back. Mercury. Glenn Beck. It's Thursday, July 26th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck program. U.S. Army Major Eric King is finally home. He thought he was going to meet a guy called uh, Ronnie Lyles, project manager of Operation Finally Home, for coffee. This is a week ago Monday. When he got out of his truck, he looked a little shocked and a little humbled. He was greeted by a gathering of journalists and friends, a bunch of Texas flags. It happened here in Dallas. King is a veteran. He served in our army for 13 years. Two tours of duty in Iraq one in Afghanistan. He was wounded by an IED explosion in combat. Now, the guy who was surprising him, Ronnie Lyles, said this. We'll never know what he's gone through. We never know what he's going through and what he will continue to go through the rest of his life. You know, we're able to re- remove the burden of a, a mortgage for he and his family, but he's still going to have these mental, emotional, physical injuries and scars that he's going to deal with on a daily basis for the rest of his life. So we're doing this so that we can just be a small part of helping him to heal and to start a new chapter in his life. Since the founding in 2005, Operation Finally Home has donated over 150 houses to veterans all across the country. Major King said this. 
I want to say thanks to the soldiers who served beside me, um, who are the true heroes, or who are no longer here with me today. I think about them every day. And I think and I think, and I thank the American people who are served uh, for this country. Uh, there is no greater place I want to be. There is no greater country I would rather serve than the great U.S. of A. So I thank all of you on today uh, for being here. I thank all of you for your love and support. And I am glad to now be a citizen of urban Texas. <laughs> King and his family then took the shovels and broke ground where their house is going to be built. Behind them, two giant American flags and a rendering of the future four-bedroom house where Major, Major Eric King and his family will finally call home. Major King, how are you? I'm great this morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm great. It's, it's, I'm glad to have you here. Thank you. Uh, we also have uh, Ronnie Lyles here. Ronnie, how are you? Doing good. Good morning, sir. Good to see you. Thank you, sir. So, uh, first of all, you, you thought you were just going to go for coffee yeah. with Ronnie? Yes. You had no idea. Well, it was uh, another man by the name of uh, David Royals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was told to meet with him at Joe's Coffee Shop, and we was going to meet with the builder uh, to interview with him to see if I can be a candidate uh, to receive a mortgage-free home from mm-hmm. Operation Finally Home. Mm-hmm. And once I got there, I was told well, we had to go and meet with the builder because there seemed to be an issue over at the site. What did your What did your stomach tell you? <laughs> I said, okay, um, <laughs> if I suppose I met with the builder here at co- uh, the coffee shop and he's not here, then maybe they've already interviewed the other candidate and they want to go with that candidate. <laughs> so <laughs> they pretty much just want to now cut my interview time down and meet with me and my family for a couple of minutes and send us on our way. And so you, uh, you pulled up yeah. and you saw everybody there. Yes. Yes. Uh, surprise, shock, blown away. And I'm like, okay, supposed to be interview now all these people. What's going on? And then when uh, I was told, well, hey, you've already been selected, uh, at that point, I just became very emotional and uh, just shocked and surprised. So you, when you pulled up, you didn't know it was for you. Uh, as we were pulling up, and I'm like, hey, w- what's going on? Uh, well, at first, when the police escort pulled out, I'm like, okay, we just got into something that's going on up ahead of us as a convoy. We've just gotten, gotten involved <laughs> so in this. So you just thought you were like, you're accidentally in the middle of a funeral procession. Or something. Something's going on yes. because you had a police escort. Yes. And you pulled out of where? Oh, we was just driving down the street and they just pulled out of a parking lot uh-huh. and just got in front of us the lights on. So, yeah. Ronnie, tell me, um, tell me what a mortgage-free house means. I mean, I know what it means, but but, but do, do, do you have to pay for anything? Do you have to help build it? What is this? Well, back when we started in 2005, Glenn, our mission was to provide custom-built mortgage-free homes to America's wounded, ill, and injured veterans, as well as the widows of the fallen, just to honor their courage and sacrifice. And so what we do with every project is start with a builder. And when a builder confirms that he wants to do a project – then we reach out to his trade partners, his suppliers, vendors, uh, and we get them to donate as much as they can. So at the end of the day, Operation Finally Home picks up the gap funding, but we are presenting 
a truly deserving veteran such as Major King with a 100% mortgage-free home that's going to, you know, change their lives forever. Yeah. How did you select him? Our selection process is very thorough. Um, applicants uh, can apply. Uh, they go through a very thorough vetting process. Uh, they must be honorably discharged. Uh, our primary focus is 70% or more disabled. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to pass a criminal and a financial background check. They have to be able to uh, uh, show that they could take on home ownership as a responsibility. And so when we uh, present our candidate to the, the builder and the builder community, we want them to know that we've done our due diligence. So in this case, uh, with Major King, I think we've hit a home run. Mm. Uh, he, uh, as well as his family, are just great folks, and they are excited to be uh, getting a, a mortgage-free home and starting a new uh, step in their lives in Irving. How uh, Are you from Texas originally? No, I'm not. Uh, when I retired in uh, June 28th of 2016, I came here to Dallas. Um, prior to getting out, I wanted to see what state and city had the best uh, – veteran facility uh, of course the VA that would be able to provide me all the assistance in medical care and treatment that I needed and I found that Dallas was the best VA for me tell me about your tell me about your wound tell me about what happened to you with the IED Uh, well it was my um, very first mission uh, actually when I went out my first IED encounter uh, that came about with the traumatic brain injury and all the other uh, ailments or disabilities that came behind it. But uh, I was an infantryman, uh, rifle platoon leader, and uh, we was out on a mission and just out of nowhere, uh, IED explosion, and just things just went from there. How is the VA? Uh, the, the, the VA, <laughs> if it wasn't for the VA, I'd probably be worse off than what I am. The VA here in Dallas has provided me with the utmost care and treatment in meeting the needs for me to make sure that, that is good to uh, I can be in a position to help reclaim my life, both mentally and physically. What are you going to do now? What are you doing? Uh, right now, I'm 100% permanent and total disabled, uh, so I'm unable to work due to uh, my disabilities. Uh, but currently right now, I have kids uh, that I am home for that I can help uh, now raised because uh, I missed so many years of their lives coming up due to multiple deployments and training. Tell me about your kids. How old are they? Uh, I have an 18 year old. Uh, she's you do not look <laughs> old enough <laughs> to have it. You know, I got to tell you, say like five. That's what I was Jeez, yeah. yeah. 18. Um, how old are you? I'm 39 years old. Wow. Shut up. Yeah. No, get out of my house. Get out of my house. <laughs> uh, you look like you're 22. Yeah. 39 years old. I came into the military fairly young. Actually served 16 years uh, in the military. So wow. that was a typo with the 13. But 16 years I served in the military. Um, so, yeah. Tell me about your wife. Um, now, well, hopefully my wife and I will be able to, um, re- restore our marriage. Uh, we don't have a marriage anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, I would say to a lot of veterans, uh, who have served in the military, who have encountered physical and mental, um, things from being deployed, uh, coming back from deployments, coming out of the hospital, being medically retired out of the military as a transition that we go through. 
And a lot of times um, things that we have endured and encountered, it kind of uh, fall back into our homes with our families. I bet it does. And uh, there was a period where I was going through a lot. I was going through a lot before uh, I finally started getting the actual help that I needed mentally. And that, that brought a wedge in between myself and my family. So I would say to all veterans out there, get the help that you need, not tomorrow, but today, uh, because it can totally change your life in a way where your loved ones are forced to feel like they're walking on eggshells. Uh, they feel like they can't be there uh, because we are going through some things that's pushing our families away from us. I have to tell you, um, you know, everybody I know uh, that is in the military, you're just different. You're just all different. I mean, you know, you just you, you have brothers and that was your life, yeah. you know, and you're doing things that nobody does. Nobody does. And everyone that I know that has been wounded, especially if they're fully disabled, they're not fully disabled up here. Correct. You know, uh, and uh, it it has to be. I, mean, I don't want to get too personal, but it, it it I can imagine that it is it's a challenge to you as a man to come home to lose all that and then not be able to you know do what society or what you've always thought you were supposed to do, and it's it's got to be rough on a marriage. It's, it's very tough. Uh, I can speak for me um, being back home, uh, being told you can no longer serve. Coming into the military, in my mind, I want to serve 30-plus years. I want to go as far as I can possibly go mm. beyond major, lieutenant, colonel, colonel, and above. Uh, but being told you can no longer serve, you are being forced to medically retire out, and you feel like that there's still unfinished business overseas mm. uh, because it's like, okay, this happened to me. I need to go back. So being back at home with your family, every day you're thinking about, the soldiers' lives that were lost, uh, soldiers that was injured, uh, things that fell, like for me, uh, under my command and the positions I served. And I'm studying saying to myself, what could I have done differently on that mission? Uh, so, so it's like you don't need, that every day. You don't ever get to, um, you know, it's like when you get you fall off a horse, you get back on. You don't mm -hmm. get a chance to get back on. No. 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 Does it, is it hard to come back to a society that seems so frivolous? Um, Operation Finally Home has helped since last Monday me to say, you know what, uh, the American people in public, they still care. Uh, because once you come back and you've gotten out of the military, for me, I was no longer Major King. I was Eric King. And I felt like I lost that power base I felt like I lost you know taking care of soldiers making decisions and now I'm here and it's like well nobody care about me you know I go to the VA I get my treatment get my medications physical therapy you know uh, right. behavior health and all right. that I'm like I just feel like I'm a nobody now so uh, it, it really made me you know say that the American people they still care about us they still out there. They care about us, and I felt like at one point I was lost. I didn't know what to do. I was just a nobody now, who was fighting to reclaim my life. 
millions of people care, deeply, deeply care. We just don't always know what to do. We don't always know what to say. And um, I'm glad you're here. Yeah. How can people um, get involved, Ronnie? We love to, to let the community get involved in each project. So I would encourage everyone to go to our website, operationfinallyhome.org, operationfinallyhome.org. They can follow uh, every project that we've got going throughout the country. They can also uh, look at the bios and, and visit and find out more about our heroes that we've been able to honor and, and projects that are currently underway. And they can also donate to Operation Finally Home or to a specific project. So if you if you're a builder, you want to get involved. If you if you make things that, you know, are used for home building or for home supplies, you can donate. But you can also as a regular person just donate cash. Absolutely. OK. It's remarkable what you do. And I thank you for that and all of the people that you work with. Um, I, I, I don't know if you ever feel like this, but in a man's life, you can feel like, do I make a difference at all? Like what you were saying. And, uh, if you ever feel that way, you listen to what he just said. It's remarkable. Good for you. Operation finally home. Join them. Major. Thank you. Welcome home. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Our sponsor this half hour is uh, Goldline. Goldline has something new. Um, it was an idea that I had uh, oh, about five years ago for gold. And now gold is, you know, kind of pricey. And uh, and also, if things really go to hell in a handbasket, gold, you won't be able to. I mean, what are you going to do with an ounce of gold? It'll be $10,000. How are you going to buy groceries? How are you going to do anything with that? Uh, so we've gone back to the Royal Canadian Mint, and they have this in gold, but this is the Maple Flex Bar made by the Royal Canadian Mint, and it is comprised of 19 individual bars that make up two ounces of silver, and it's designed uh, so you can use it as cash. It's like just silver coins, and they come, and you it, it looks like a credit card, and you can break it apart, uh, and then you have a bunch of basic coins. Uh, it, it contains uh, 10 120 ounce bars, uh, four one quarter ounce bars, five 110 ounce bars, and they're all legal tender. And they're guaranteed for their weight and their purity by the Royal Canadian Mint. The Maple Flex is only available now at Goldline, and you can use it in your IRA, uh, your precious metal IRA, um, and it comes with all of the benefits that uh, Goldline. Uh, offers uh, for everything they sell free shipping same price credit card check or bank wire on qualifying orders take advantage now of gold lines price shield pro- uh, protection program with the maple flex call today and see how easy it is to own gold or silver at 866 gold line that's 1866 gold line or goldline.com what a sincere guy that was an amazing story he just said to me uh, off air, he said, this is one of the first times I've gone back out. And I said, what, what, what do you mean? Uh, we were talking about his wife. And uh, he said, you know, it's taken me a while to realize it, it, it was me. It really was me. Wow. Yeah. And um, 
I said, you know, uh, good luck. And he said, I'm, I just have to, I just, I just have to show her that I understand that it was me, not her. And he said, you know, but it was the night terrors and the, and the on guard all the time. And he said, and not wanting to go anywhere, not going out. He said, I, 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 I refused to go out anywhere. I didn't want to go outside. Uh, uh, and this is the first time he got back home. Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Yeah, I, I mean we we've had so many you know veterans come through here with with similar stories. Yeah, I mean it's so common to have to go through that, and you know it's just like as you said, the you know the people in the military that we see all the time, they're just different. I always think of them just better. Just better <laughs> people. They're like, how are they the same species as I know. me? This I know. You fat just feel, adult who's just sitting down eating Cheetos every day. I know. Uh, but I, part of that, I think, is what makes it so difficult. It's easy for me to transition to a life where I don't leave the house because, first of all, no one wants to see me, and secondly, mm. <laughs> I'm slovenly. Uh, but for someone who has gone through all of that achievement and all those important tasks and all those life-threatening situations, to to adjust to a life like that is is incredible incredibly taxing on you yeah. mentally. I, I feel I cuz I think of the veterans all the time. All the time. I see these guys who uh, uh you know, are veterans and they they lost, uh, you know, two arms, a leg, one eye, both ears, uh you know, and the top of their head. And here they are skiing down a mountain. <laughs> and you're like, "What the hell?" You know what I mean? It's just they're like driving up I, a mountain. I, I, no, why, why are you just not watching somebody? I I watch Cliffhanger. That's what I would be doing. I'd, I'd be home. I, yeah. I, I'd watch it. Uh, oh, I'd be through watch every Everest. Netflix series. I'd be yeah. through every. I'd be through everything. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and, you know, anything that you got going on, you get a hangnail and you're like, I don't think I oh. can go out. I mean, my finger really hurts. Oh, the amount of torture I think I'm in when I have a canker sore is <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> it's basically end of times. It's again, they are a different breed of people. And we salute you. So somebody tweeted me the other day, and they said they bought Bitcoin at 0.3 cents like 10 years ago, and they spent $30, and that would now be worth $80 million if that were to be true. He said he lost it. I don't know if he's telling the truth, but I can tell you, at least there, there's a bigger investment that someone has made uh, than their home. For everybody else who didn't have that Bitcoin situation, the biggest investment you ever have in your entire life is your home. And if you haven't spent a lot of time figuring out who the right real estate agent is to represent you in that transaction, I think you're making a mistake. Take some time and let realestateagentsitrust.com do the work for you. At realestateagentsitrust.com, they've gone through 1,200 agents from all across the country. They've found 1,200 that are the best in their areas, and they've rated them all sorts of factors, so you don't have to do the work. You get a good real estate agent in your area, and you don't have to worry about your biggest financial transaction. realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go. realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Detectives in Canada are still seeking a motive for a mass shooter that left three dead, including the gunman, and injured more than a dozen others, as residents of Toronto grapple with the latest in a string of violence incidents to hit Canada's biggest city in recent months. Federal officials said on Tuesday that there was no terror link in Sunday's attack Mm -hmm. in which the lone gunman opened uh, opened fire along a bustling avenue in the city. 
At this time, there's no national security nexus to the investigation, spokespeople said. The attack killed two people, recent high school graduate Reese Fallon and 10-year-old uh, uh, Juliana Kosis. Uh, 13 injured, including six women and girls and seven men. Authorities have not publicly speculated on the motive of the gunman, Faisal Hussain, or explained how he obtained the handgun used for the attack. Okay. Uh, so what they're saying here is this is a uh, this is a a guy who went through depression. Uh, they're not blaming it on the gun. You know, they have a t- pretty tough gun laws up in Canada. Uh, so it's certainly not the gun, although he strangely mm. found a way to a gun. Mm. Uh, but they can't figure out, um, a qu- quote, I can't put two and two together, <laughs> said Amir Shakira. Uh, I just can't believe mm-hmm. it's him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lived with his uh, parents, uh, Hussein parents. Uh, he did carried out uh, boxes of possible evidence with, uh, you know, the, the equivalent of the FBI up in Canada. But he was found dead on Sunday after he exchanged gun uh, gunfire with police and then fled. So can't figure out what he did. Why would he do that? Can't figure it out. Right. ISIS uh, claimed responsibility, said he was one of theirs. Mm -hmm. He still can't figure it out. I don't know what the deal is. I mean, pretty confusing. It is. When you think about it. I mean, what could it be? Did you have any idea? Is there any other any theories? About for Faisal his, Hussein and why he shot people? Yeah, like for no is, apparent it, does reason? anyone have it? Was it? Um, did he have an issue with? Well, the he was probably pizza delivery? He was probably depressed because yeah. he's okay. living in Canada, and you know that can be a little oppressive. And you know, people probably might have been mean to him. Did okay. Trump set him off? That's the only thing I can think well, of. Well, that could be Trump's, Trump's fault. fault. Tr- Trump's fault. That's yeah. good. Could I yeah. throw one out there? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Barack Hussein Obama, our former president, mm-hmm. Faisal Hussein, right? right? Is it possible that this guy is just uh, a, an incredible... Mean Christian? A mean Christian. Because our president, as you remember, mm-hmm. uh, former president, a hardcore Christian, was at church for 40 years, and I didn't really catch anything that happened in the sermons. Well, he slept through uh, a lot of the sermons. A lot of but, sermons. But I mean, you know, he's a, he's a hard still, worker. hardcore guy. Christian guy. Yeah, so hardcore Christian guy. Could it be an extremist christian attack that's probably right okay (laughs) that's probably right okay good it probably Um, is so is there is there any evidence of anything else uh pat any evidence of anything else no i mean we can't other than what we've just outlined here we can't figure it out Again, ISIS no. tried to shed some light on this, but I still no, what did ISIS get say? It. What did ISIS say? Well, they claimed credit. They claimed he was uh, an ISIS fighter. Okay. Um, well, you can't trust a radical you Islamist. You can't. You can't trust them. They don't, you know, they'll say anything. Right. They, yeah, they, they usually tell you what they're doing kind of in advance, and then mm-hmm. afterwards they, they'll also tell you what they've done. Mm-hmm. So I think it, we need to look into his mental health again. And we, gun laws. You should look gun into laws. gun laws. Oh, that's a great gun laws. Just look yes. into gun laws because there's no gun laws in Canada. It's it's a it's basically well, a the wild west out there. Other than yeah. some of the toughest in the world. Um, yeah, well, right. other than that, but other than that, yeah. I mean, we all no know that. It's, other, it is the wild west. <laughs> mm-hmm. Other than the toughest gun laws in the world, right? Um, and there is a 59 percent increase in gun violence uh, over the same period from last year. Wait a minute. So no, wait. Mm-hmm. What? 
Is that the damn Americans coming over with our oh, guns? The NRA is looking for a rootin' tootin' it good time. It has to be that. It has to be. Yeah. Well, they've run out of people to shoot here, so they're going up to Canada now. <laughs> really? Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. They've That's killed cool. everybody they possibly can. So now they're looking for fresh killing territory in Canada. White men, bastards, Americans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm, Christians. Yeah, Christians. Mm-hmm. Now he Set wasn't by what, Trump. He he was uh, he was he was Arab. Uh, Faisal Hussein. Yeah. Um, was it was I, he? Well, can I guess? There's no clue as to no, his, no, his heritage. No, 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 no I've, I've got to guess. I, you no, do? don't guess. Well, I believe uh, that Faisal Hussein <laughs> was colluding with Donald Trump in Russia. Okay, that's what I yeah. think happened. Okay, well, they're, they're, I'm not sure if I could go take you on that leap. Can I ask? Was he an immigrant? Was he was he was he born in Canada? Um, I don't know. All right, I don't right. know. Was he? Was actually... he? Was he a Muslim? Well, uh, I with a name like Hussein sharing no. the same name no, 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 as no. our former president, president, you would say no. I'd say no. Okay. I would say no, he was right. not. But Muslim. have you seen any reporting on whether he was? I have Muslim. seen zero zero reporting, reporting on that. Yeah, huh? This is perplexing. It's a, it's a conundrum. It is. It is perplexing. I wonder what's happening. Huh? I think our best guess, as it's formed right now, is uh, Donald Trump colluded with the Russians to place this person here, mm-hmm. an extremist ex- Christian, extremist mm-hmm. Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as he mm-hmm. shares the name with our former president. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and it was because the NRA mm-hmm. gave him the guns to cross the border, mm-hmm. um, and it, then then he shot a bunch of people. I think that's where we are. That's it's exactly where we are. We may we, now. Exactly I'm not, that's not to are. say there might be some information at some time that may make us believe something else. Well, one thing we can rule well, out we is Islamic find, extremism. We can yeah, rule, we that, can rule out. that out. I think we, we can rule, rule that out. They ruled there's that no, out there's immediately. No, there was immediately. no evidence. Of no that. evidence. None. None. Zero. 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 <laughs> Now, we may come to find out that perhaps a a Tea Party extremist oh, okay. uh, was involved. Um, we're not oh, sure. Boy. We're not yeah. sure. Like it could be a Tea Party extremist. could be uh, you know, a member of the Freedom Caucus. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are several possibilities of, of, of who this guy could be. Mm-hmm. But we, we know, know they're all white. We know they're white. And we know they're mm-hmm. Christian. We know they're mm-hmm. Christian. And we know that they're conservative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. well, let me just say it. Alt right. I mean, let's just Thank stop you. using Thank the, you. the cover story of conservative. We've all you know been what? beating let's around the bush. Yeah. Let's just stop let's doing forget it. The it's the alt right. It's Nazis. It's, okay. Yes. <laughs> it's it's white small government Nazis that are Christians. I think, said it had to be said. You know what? I'm I. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to find out. That Faisal Hussein wasn't even there. That he wasn't there? He wasn't even there. Mm, that's a great point. He wow. wasn't even there. False he was flag? probably, it's a false flag, mm, probably wow. tied up by some white Christian, held, and uh-huh. they're only using him because oh. he's a minority. Would you be surprised to find out that this story we're hearing about this <laughs> Faisal Hussein was just a cover up for the person who really did it, Brett Kavanaugh? I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. That, that is the thing. Fit that my makes, world belief right. You know, sometimes when, like a glove. When sometimes people say something, you know how it just it just like connects with <laughs> yes. you and it rings true. <laughs> right. Now, it probably didn't happen, but what high impact 
Oh, if it did, low, if prob- it did. low probability, high impact. Yeah, event. yeah. yeah I mean, I'm learning it. that from you, I'm learning that from MSNBC. You know, it, it may not have happened, but we should seriously consider that Kavanaugh, mm-hmm. Trump, white supremacists, Christians, Nazis mm-hmm. tied this guy to a chair, mm-hmm. wound him up. Okay. And then he's still, no matter how crazed they made him, he still would not do it. it. Wouldn't do it. So Kavanaugh himself came and was the trigger man Mm -hmm. uh, for the massacre up in Toronto. That makes sense. It does. It It does make sense. sense. That was basically like an entire like law and order or 48 hours episode right in front of your eyes. You just heard it. (laughs) (laughs) The problem is solved. When am I ever going to get a client that will tell me the truth? When will I ever get a guy like Kavanaugh to come into my office and say, look, I killed him. I mean, I can't help mm. these clients if they don't tell me the truth. That's the way it works. It always wraps uh, up so nicely on those programs. We never get the truth, though. We never really find out what happened. And we'll probably never know, Pat. We won't. There, but I do know this. There's no evidence of Muslim extremism here. Why are you even bringing no that up? No evidence at I'm all. I'm rolling it out. I just wanted to make sure that You're everybody to knew. Cut to, I don't you, want any hate yeah, to happen cut, as cut a the, result. Cut the knees off of those those speculators. Right. And I mean literally. Literally. Cut the, cut the knees off of them. Yes. Uh, because we have. there's no place for that kind of speculation. Not in our society. Not in our there's society no at all. For it. Not in our society at all. Okay, um, now there is there has been a case that has been solved. Um, uh, there was a uh, uh, there was a uh, there was a, uh, a guy named Kelton Griffin who uh, asked a woman um, whose name shall remain uh, uh, nameless here. Um, uh, she, she 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 Griffin approached her and said, "Hey, I I really I, I think we have a lot in common." And uh, and I think we should we should we should go out. And she said, well, um, that, that wasn't really elegant the way you stated that. But uh, OK. So he said, look, uh, can I come over to your house and can we take your car? And she said. OK, you're starting to sound like a loser, but OK, sure. So he um, he rang the doorbell and uh, he said, I tell you what, uh you know, let's, you know what, let's stop for some gas uh, for the car. And she's like, well, you know, we have, we're just going around the corner. He said, yeah, but let's, let's stop for some gas. So um, he gets out and and chivalrous that he is. Mm -hmm. uh, And he was driving, I believe. Yeah, he was driving. Yeah. Yeah. Her car. Yeah. Her car. Right. That's, Mm -hmm. I mean, what part of this didn't you understand? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. he takes her car and they're stopping to get gas. And, and he says, Hey, let me pump the gas. You go in and uh, pay for the gas. And, uh, why don't you get us a couple of cigars? That's nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. All, all right. That's, again, a little weird, but okay. So she's in, you know, and she's in the 7-Eleven, you know, walk-in humidor, I'm, I'm imagining, and uh, <laughs> saying, what, you know, what do you suggest? And uh, he's like, oh, I've got a Monte Cristo over here that's great. Anyway, so she's <laughs> buying the cigars, and uh, when she finishes buying the cigar, she walks outside, and um, the car is gone. And uh, and her phone is in the car. OK. And so she's 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 calling him. She's calling her. And she's like, uh, where's the car? And uh, he's not answering. Um, and so she you know, she she calls the police and um, they said, you know, my, you know, the car has been stolen. I know who did it. 
and so they the police are like, OK, well, we'll look around. But, you know, we're police. And so we 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 usually beat minorities. Uh, and, <laughs> Is that uh, what they said? Well, I'm pretty sure that's that's probably I mean, if they were they were these were the honest cops. OK. okay? And they said, we, we're usually at this time just beating minorities. So I don't know if we're going to be able to squeeze this in. She said, well, I happen to know uh, my sister knows uh, his relative. So I'll call I'll call my sister. She'll call the relative and maybe the relative will call him and find out where the car is. And so um, she did. And she found out that <clears throat> he was at a drive in movie theater um, because um, he he had made a he had made a date uh, with somebody that he he, he really uh, uh, liked a lot. And uh, he didn't have a car. And so he 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 needed to borrow somebody else's car and uh so he he left you know uh the cigar and gas store and uh and drove to another girl's house and and said hey i'm here for the date and what do you think of the car huh we've all been there mm. right mm-hmm. how many times yeah, does that happen to you know? three times last week alone really mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow <laughs> is that three weird times the last week yeah, yeah. there's a lot seems coincidental but it seems like a uh if you're going to target <laughs> This sort of maneuver yeah. where you're going to uh, go out on a date with another woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps you don't go to a date that requires the car, right? Like mm-hmm. you could have gone to a normal movie theater and met them there and not needed to steal a car. But instead you went to a drive-in movie theater, which mm-hmm. is, uh, was there 20 of them in the country? Like, yeah, I mean, and, you know, <laughs> could you go and how many people else? were probably there? I mean, I don't think it was a, you know, a big stakeout. There were probably like four cars there. <laughs> and so like, you know, it's like Barney Fife just waiting on, yeah, get out of the car. <laughs> yeah, well, so, what's interesting uh, is the guy had no car and no money. So, so both dates had to pay for the gas had to pay for the cigars, <laughs> had to pay for the food that they picked up at the at the uh, gas station humidor store, right? <laughs> and and then had to pay for the drive-in movie, the new yeah. date. Yeah, uh, but, so it, but it's not like he mm-hmm. doesn't love them. I mean, no, he no. went to the trouble of stealing a car for her. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. Pat Gray Unleashed on the Blaze Radio and TV networks. Also on uh, the News and Why It Matters, which comes up after your program on the Blaze, Glenn. I don't know if you knew that. I'm, I I'm saying it that. as if you don't know it, but you're right. on both shows. So huh. it would be difficult for you am, not to. I'm on that show too? Yeah, you should show up because Shut it's up. actually, yeah, your, your face is on the pictures and stuff. Huh. Uh, but you can follow that on iTunes. Follow the podcast. The podcast was up uh, above Rachel Maddow yesterday. We are excited about that. The top ten, I think now, hmm. podcast news and uh, uh, news and information, and you can find that on iTunes. And please subscribe so you can follow us, and then also uh, rate and review us. It helps uh, people discover uh, this podcast. Have you listened to it yet? Uh, I mean, I'm on the show, so I hear it every day. Oh, I haven't okay. been listening, but okay. I, I hear it's good. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> owning a home has never been easier, and it continues to be an incredible investment. Whether you're buying your first home, your next home, or an investment home, let American Financing customize the right loan program for you. They're going to get pre-approval fast, so you'll know exactly how much home you'll qualify for. And you can expect faster loan processing thanks to in-house underwriting and decision-making. American Financing. They have employees uh, that are salary-based mortgage consultants, so they don't work for a commission. They don't work for the bank. They work for you. That's what gives them the A-plus rating with the BBB and over 1,800 Google reviews that uh, speak for themselves. 
They offer the convenience of e-sign so you can complete the documents in the comfort of your home. There's, uh, there's no upfront fees. They have every kind of loan in the industry. They'll customize the loan program that suits your financial needs. And they're licensed in all 50 states. So if you need a mortgage, call American Financing at 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. 1-800-906-2440. Or AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing Corporation. NMLS 182334. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Glenn Beck. See you tonight at 5 on The Blaze. Also, you can catch us on iTunes and our podcast. Glenn Beck. Mercury. Mercury.